into the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 21. Deuteronomy chapter number 21 is where we'd like to invite your attention this morning. And there are some things that God uh, wants to share with us uh, in conjunction with what he already has done. For those that wasn't present last Sunday, that was a phenomenal word last Sunday that the Lord sent through Dr. Manley. Amen. And uh, we learned a lot of new things, and uh, uh, we want to add to what God is saying this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now. We ask, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would cover us and you allow your word to penetrate into our um, the deepest depths of our, our hearts and our spirits. And, Father God, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you just saturate me with your anointing. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. This morning, we want to talk about the switch. It's called the switch. And coming from the book of Deuteronomy chapter uh, number 21. Uh, we know that last, last week, as, as, as the Lord gave a word, and he talked about uh, Esau and Jacob. He talked about uh, the book of uh, uh, Jasher and uh, understanding about the garment that was uh, been passed down from, from Adam all the way down to uh, uh, Noah and, and others as well. But there's a little bit more that God said I want to add to this. And sometimes we as the saints of God, we miss out on what God has for us. Amen. So in the book of Deuteronomy, before we can begin to talk about uh, the switch, now understanding uh, a switch is a radical change in position, uh, in direction, and also in focus, and it's also a place of exchange. So we want to talk about this, this, this switch, but before we can get to the switch, we need to know what's um, rightfully ours, amen, as being the firstborn. We have to understand about the rights of the firstborn, and this is where we're going to begin in Deuteronomy chapter number 21. Looking at verse number 15, because as the firstborn, they had rights when it came down to the Jewish custom. Now, verse 15 in Deuteronomy chapter number 21 says, if a man had two wives, now that's not for today, okay? One beloved and another hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hatred. And if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be when he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. In other words, if you had a wife and you had some concubines and then you've had some little harlots on the side, whichever one had the firstborn son, that's the one that inherited everything that was passed down by Jewish custom. Regardless of how you felt about that firstborn, um, whether it's from the concubine or whether it's from the wife, as long as it's the very first of, of, of what you produce, then they were the ones that was entitled to all the benefits and the rights of the firstborn. Now, when you look at verse 17, it gives you a little bit more insight about the rights of the firstborn. Now, verse 17 says, but he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn by giving him a what? A double portion of all that he hath. So one of the rights of the firstborn is they got a double portion of what the father had, okay? The next thing and the reason why it says, 
For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Now, when it comes down to the firstborn, that was special blessing. You know, not only did they get a double portion, but with the special blessings, then what we also have, uh, they are over the, high, the office of the high priest. And, and what's happening is um, we, we understand that with the firstborn and the double portion, not only did they receive the double portion, but when it comes down to the priesthood, they were responsible for their for the families when it came down to spiritual uh, instructions or spiritual enlightenment. All right. Then they had authority, and they were given a role of leadership over the entire family. See, that was a special blessing. That was the birthright that's connected to it. Now, we need to understand in today's life that we can forfeit the uh, the, uh, birthright uh, from the firstborn. We can forfeit some things. So we have to make sure that we do not forfeit what is happening. Uh, Because God definitely blesses us, and once he blesses us, Things happen that sometimes we will discard the birthright that God has given unto us. Okay? Now, one example of, of us discarding uh, some of the rights from the firstborn was that when God blessed the children of Israel and Moses had gone up, he had gone up into the mountains, he went to receive the Ten Commandments. But when, he, when, when there was a noise that was going on in the camp, And when they came back from the camp and he realized what they were doing was they had taken the things that God had blessed them with when they came out of Egypt and they began to worship the golden calf. And so what happens where the the firstborn at that time, the, the family of Aaron, where they were supposed to be over everything, it was, uh, they, they, uh, uh, discarded it or what you may say, they rejected it by worshiping idol gods. So what God did was he transferred it to the Levites, to the, to the priestly um, uh, uh, tribe, uh, the tribe of Levites. And because of that now, that's how we ended up in that role of being the, the high priest. And the next thing was a firstborn, Jacob's son, Reuben, who was the firstborn, he had slept with his daddy's wives. He had the, the word of God says in Chronicles, that he had defiled his father's bed. So what had happened to him, he lost his birthright. Now, what we fail to understand is when it comes down to our birthright where God has positioned us, then there are blessings that are tied to our birthright, and we do not understand. Sometimes we will settle for the smallest of smallest, and we will see that as well. Now, let's go to the book of Genesis Chapter number 27, Genesis chapter number 27. We're going to try to walk this thing. Genesis chapter number 27, because I want to make sure we understand what God is saying to us about our birthright. Now, understand something. When it comes down to our birthright, it is tied to responsibility. See, that firstborn, when he began to understand that he's over everything, he's over the the spiritual, he has to be able to be the one to receive from the Lord uh, the instructions from from God and then be able to impart into the family, 
Uh, he had authority. He was in leadership. He was over everything. But there are blessings that is tied to, your, to our birthright, and sometimes we will forfeit our birthright not understanding. You remember last Sunday when, 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 when the Lord spoke to Dr. Mellon and talked about Esau and Jacob and, and how uh, uh, Jacob's, uh, Esau sold his birthright because of the fact that, you know, he was caught up in doing some things and he had just came from a battle with uh, Nimrod. And when he finished that, he came and he comes to Jacob. And after he comes to Jacob, you know, and Jacob understands about the birthright. See, one thing I do know is this. Satan understands what God has for us. He understands. Now, looking at Genesis chapter number 27, beginning at verse number 28. Now, verse number 28, it ties into the blessing. It reveals the blessing. Now, sometimes we as believers do not really appreciate or value the things God has for us. Amen? So, in verse number 28, now, here it is, um, Isaac is ready to, to, to release the blessings uh, of the birthright upon his son because he knew he was nearing death. He's getting ready to pass that inheritance on. Now, when it comes down to our birthright, there is a sevenfold blessing. And we're going to look at the sevenfold blessing when it comes down to, to our birthright. Amen? Verse number 28 in Genesis chapter number 27. Verse 28, let's look at the sevenfold blessings because these are the blessings that was released by Isaac unto Jacob. But, you know, when we don't appreciate what God has done or doing in our lives or what he has given us, we can forfeit some things. Now, verse 28 says this. He says, therefore, this is, this is Isaac releasing the inheritance or the blessings of the birthright. He says, therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven, that's number one, and the fatness of the earth, that's number two, the plenty of corn and wine, is number three, number four is let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee, and then you'll be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's son bow down to thee. Then he says, curse be everyone that curses thee and blessed be uh, those that will bless you. Now, what does all this mean? When it came down to the sevenfold blessings that's connected with our birthright, the first thing is it says uh, he gives us the dew of heaven. Now, the dew of heaven is nothing but favor, it's prosperity, it's eternal life, it's longevity, it's nothing but blessings from God. I mean, that, those are the blessings that, that comes down from heaven. You know, it's talking about favor. You know, when you walk in the store and say, we, we're going to do this, and we want to feed some people that's, uh, uh, that's disadvantaged and may, may not be able to, to um, uh, supply food for themselves for Thanksgiving, I want to know, can you help? And all of a sudden, somebody say, yes, here's 15 turkeys. That's favor. They don't know you from Adam's house cat. You just walked in the store, you speak to a manager who has never seen you a day in their life, and all of a sudden, you come out with what God told you to go in to get. See, that's part of our birthright, favor. Whatever, there are times in our life, God would do some things, and we know we don't deserve it, or we know it's impossible when it comes down to us, but it is the favor of God. In other words, being promoted when you know you were not supposed to be promoted. 
Yeah, favor. And then you're talking about prosperity. And, and then there's spiritual prosperity as well as physical prosperity. So that was part of, a, of the seven blessings. Then he talks about right here upon the earth. He said the fatness of the earth. In other words, everything here upon the earth, God said, is at your fingertip, and I'm going to bless you with it. You know, you can think a thing and you can ask a thing and all of a sudden God will provide it. Anybody been there before? You just thought it and all of a sudden it showed up at your door. See, that's part of the, of the blessings, the sevenfold blessings that's attached to our birthright. That's part of it. Then he talks about you, you have plenty of corn and wine. You have plenty of joy and, and happiness and peace. You, you, you'll be saturated in all of that. Then he's, you'll have people that will serve you. There are some folks that are willing to do anything they can for you if we allow them to. I mean, because he says, now, I, I, what's going to happen is, he says, the nation's going to bow down to you. Then you're going to be lord over your brethren. And then he goes on and talks about how your other brethren that's, that's less uh, in age than you, how they're going to serve you. All this is tied to the birthright or the blessings that's connected with the birthright. But there is something sometimes we will settle for what's less than uh, receiving what God has for us. Now, let's drop down to verse number 34, same chapter, chapter number 27, and looking at verse number 34. Now, when Esau and Jacob, when Jacob has deceived his father, you know, when, when you, when you, I won't say when you get old, but the scripture says here, when Isaac had gotten old, he says um, his eyes was dim. In other words, his vision. See, there are some times when we go through life, our vision becomes dim, and we can make bad decisions. Amen. Have anybody ever made bad decisions besides me? Amen. And that's because our vision is dim. We, we can't see clearly. So after he goes and he tricks his father, and Esau shows back up. You know, see, we've got to understand something. I'm about to get ahead of myself. We do have dual natures on the inside of us. We have the spirit of Jacob, and we also have the spirit of Esau. Now, that spirit of Esau, that particular spirit, that's the one that loves the wild. <laughs> that's the one that's the crazy man. Amen. That, that, that Esau spirit. But then there's that Jacob spirit that likes to follow and be obedient to the Lord. Now, verse 34 says this. Sometimes when we mess up and we lose what God has given us, we will come back and we will beg for it. Anybody been there besides me? Amen. We'll beg for it. Now, verse 34 says, And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and he said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and has taken away thy blessing. Verse 36 says, And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. Watch this. He took away my birthright. He didn't take it away. He gave it away. You know, sometimes we want to blame things on the devil. <laughs> you know, I... I, I read something this morning in my devotional. I do a devotional every morning. And it says um, a, a, a disease uh, does not have victims. It just has volunteers. So whatever situation we may encounter in our life, we can either become a victim or we're not a victim. We're just a volunteer is what we are. We are a volunteer. 
So we can, we can volunteer for Satan or we can volunteer for God. It's up, it's up to every individual. But see, he complained. He says that his brother took away his birthright. He did not respect nor honor his birthright. He, he didn't honor it. See, that was responsibility that comes with the birthright. He didn't want that responsibility. He wanted to live on the wild side. Amen? Because there are times in our life we all like to live on the wild side. Amen? And then next thing you know, we want to come back and we want to holler, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Because sometimes when we, when we uh, give the world all that we have and we don't have anything left, then we'll come crying and we'll have a pity party, right? Anybody have a pity party besides me? Amen. We've all had pity parties. When we have given what we've had over to the enemy, but yet we had so much and didn't realize what we had. And what, now, I want to go too quick, but I'm trying to slow myself down on this. Not only did he complain about the birthright being taken, but then he says in verse 36, he said, And behold, now he hath taken away my blessing, and he says, Have thou not reserved a blessing for me? Now, what happens here, he has gave away the blessings that, are, that is attached to the birthright, a sevenfold blessing. He gave that away. But yet what he says to his father, he said, do you not have a, I mean, a single blessing? Why, we, why, why accept a single blessing when we already have the birthright and attached to it is so many blessings? But most of the times, because there's a responsibility, I don't know why the word of responsibility keeps coming up, but there are responsibilities when it comes down to the birthright. Because that means you're, try, you're over someone else. God has, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. God has entrusted us with the things of heaven. And once he entrusts us, he wants us to make sure that we are good stewards over what he has given. You see, what you have just do not belong to you. There are people that's been waiting, that's connected to all of our lives, but until we get in our rightful place, they are just left behind. So he's willing now, he's willing. How many of us are willing to just accept a blessing when God has already said, you got the whole thing? And we're willing to accept just that single blessing, a blessing. When God said, listen, I've given you a sevenfold blessing. I mean, God says he will pour us out blessing, a blessing, that we do not have room enough to receive. If God's a blessing is where we don't have room enough to receive, our a blessing is just a minor thing. Amen? It's just a minor thing. So here it is. And he, he begins to complain. Looking at verse number 37 in Genesis chapter 27. Now, verse 37 says this. And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all of his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him, and what shall I do now unto thee, my son? In other words, he received everything. I mean, can you imagine having enough until you leave from this world? That's sustainability of God. So whatever you need, God said, I've, I've got it for you. It's already been set up. See, we're dealing with the firstborn, but we're going to make a switch so we can understand some things. Now, in verse number 38 now, in Genesis uh, chapter 27, 
Verse 38 says this. And Esau said unto his father, Has thou but one blessing, my father? So in other words, he's willing to accept just one blessing. How many of us are willing just to accept one blessing when God has already given us a sevenfold blessing that's attached to the birthright? And see, we don't want that responsibility because, once again, well, uh, the birthright comes with responsibility. There's a spiritual overtone that is connected with the birthright. I, I, I met a, a minister the other day, and, and we talked, and, he talk, and we began to talk about Enos and how, how uh, uh, the Bible talks about, well, the book of uh, Jasher, it, it, it talks about how he would go and he would set himself for three days. He would be in the presence of the Lord. And he will receive the wisdom of God from the Lord. Then on the fourth day, he would take that same wisdom and he would impart it into the people. Then it got so good to him that uh, he would stay for six days and in the presence of the Lord, have no connection with humanity at all. And as God poured into him, then on the seventh day, he would go out and he would pour into the people. Then it continued where it was like it's for a whole month. For 29 days, he would be in the presence of the Lord. And then he would go out and he would pour that into the people, the wisdom that he received from God. But each time, it took him a longer and longer time he spent with God until it was at a point where it was, they just stepped away. That's how it was. It was at a point where all of a sudden, now he walks away with God. He walks completely away with God. So that's how it is when we're in the presence of God. So this particular pastor told me, he said about, about a, a year ago, God spoke to him and he was get up two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And what they would do was he would sit before the presence of the Lord. They, they, he would be there. And he said he had gotten to the point that his, even his countenance had changed to such a degree that when he would encounter people, especially other leaders, they did not want to be in his presence because he was bearing the presence of God so strongly. Let me tell you how awesome and powerful God had worked in his life. There was a church that he attended, and he had a need. There was some sickness in his family. So because of the, uh, the wealth that he had, the church that he attended did not want to share in the expense or bear the expense for helping him with his daughter. So here this is, this little small church goes and they blesses this man and they help him with his finances, okay? Once they help him with his finances to go see his daughter, then the man says to him, he says, well, what can I do? What does the Lord want me to do for you? So what happens is that all of a sudden this man is rich, he's wealthy, he's got land, and the land that, that the man owns, it surrounds the church where they reside. So what he gives him, he says, I want you to, you see the marking on those trees, as far as those markings are, you walk all the way out there, and I'm going to give you that land. They begin to walk. This man and some of the ministers of the church, they began to walk, and all, it, it mapped out to be over two acres of land. And the man says to them, I'm going to do a, you get to do a survey. And what's going to happen is, uh, this land is yours scot-free. That's favor in the presence of God. Here's somebody is who do not know you, and they're going to give you uh, two acres plus land. And then they say, if it goes over what you need, that's okay. 
I mean, just because they wanted to be a blessing, but he was in the, being in the presence of the Lord. He was so in the presence of the Lord to the, to the fact remained that he said, he said, now God says to me, he calls the name of this church, and he says the wisdom of this church, God was moving. And I, and I said, what? I don't understand. He said, the wisdom of this church, he named the church, he said, will no longer be. I said, okay. He said, you still don't get it. I said, no. He says, I am the wisdom talking about him. He said, I am the wisdom of that church. And God was going to move him out because they could not receive all the information and all the wisdom and the revelation God had bestowed upon him. And so therefore, uh, God was going to give him a new set of people and he was trusting God to do it. But all that takes place because he was in the presence of the Lord. He did not want just one blessing he wanted all sevenfold blessings that are attached to the birthright, okay? Now, it goes on, and because he talks about spiritual blessings. Now, Esau, the Bible says, he lifts up his voice and he weeps. Now, when we understand we have dual, dual people that lives on the inside, and we'll get to that. You got that Jacob spirit, and you got that Esau spirit. Whenever that Esau spirit loses out, that means that flesh spirit loses out, it begins to whine, cry, and all that stuff. He, it gets to a place wherein, okay, I've allowed the Esau spirit to overtake and rule over my Jacob spirit, and so therefore, I, I, I wish I have not done what I did. Anybody has major losses lately or in the past? Amen. We got a few truthful people in the house. Amen. Amen. Because some things do happen in our lives. It's not our fault, and sometimes it is our fault. Amen. And that's by some decisions that we may have made. But he began to cry. He lifts up his voice and he begins to weep. Now, verse 39 in Genesis chapter number 27 says, And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth. Remember, he asked for one blessing. He only asked for one. Verse 40 says, And by the sword shall thou live and shall serve thy brothers, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Show you what caught my attention. He had a yoke. Sometimes we have yokes, burdens upon us. Amen. We have burdens. But how do you get rid of the burden? It tells us right in the text. When, when, when we're bound down and we have this yoke, we, we're, we're weighted down with burdens, God gives us an answer in the word how to get rid of the yoke or get rid of the, the burden. Here in verse number 40, he tells him that, and it shall come to pass, verse 40, when thou shalt have the dominion. You see, dominion is supreme authority. We were given dominion, Adam and Eve in the very beginning, they were given dominion. In order for us to, to get that dominion over our own lives, thank you, Holy Spirit, because we have to make it personal. In order for us to get that dominion in within our own lives, to begin to take over the things within our life and, 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 and destroy that yoke, we've got to have dominion. We have to have dominionship. We've got to take back some things that we've lost. Amen. That's already ours. It's, it's always been there because we want to talk about the switch. But before we get to the switch, I need for us to go to the book of Hebrew, Hebrews chapter number 12. We still want to deal a little bit with this firstborn and all these things that God has given us. 
Hebrew chapter number 12. And this is where I want to go. Hebrew chapter number 12. Because one thing about that Esau spirit, we will, we will regret what we've done because we do not value the things that God has given us. Amen. Hebrew chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. And looking at verse number 16. Are we there? Hebrews chapter number 12. Verse number 16, New Testament. Because we want to get to the switch. We want to get to the switch. Hebrews chapter number 12. Verse 16 says, Least there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat, what did he do? He sold his birthright. He, when he sold his birthright, he sold those blessings that God had attached to the birthright. He sold it. And he says, sold it for one morsel of meat. What, what have we sold our birthright for? It's a personal question. What have we sold our birthright for? What have we sold ours for? Now, we can talk about Esau. Esau has sold his and he, he, he wanted for one pottage of soup. That's what he wanted. But he loses everything. When it comes down to our birthright and all the blessings, we do not want to lose everything that God has for us. Amen? He loses everything. Then he says he sold it. That means he did not value. He did not value what God had given unto him. A lot of times we'll take that which below, that God has given us and we will give it to the enemy. Amen. Now the enemy comes in all kinds of forms. He comes in all kinds of ways. And all because we do not value. Because see, the birthright is precious. See, the birthright is attached with blessings. You know, spiritual as well as physical blessings. See, that's why it's important that we need to understand about our birthright. It has nothing to do with whom you've been born to, to or what family you was born in. It has nothing to do with that. All right? Now, the Bible goes on and talks about how he sells his, he sells his birthright. He didn't value it. He comes in. He didn't been in battle with Nimrod and uh, 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 cuts Nimrod's head off and he's, he's upset and he's mad and he's tired. He's shedding some blood. He goes to his brother. He said, this birthright will not do me any good when I, if, I, if I'm dead. So what happens? And see... The enemy knows the, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. The enemy knows the value of your birthright. He knows about the blessings that are attached to your birthright. So he tries to get what God has given you. Amen. I mean, he, he knows. He knows. So in verse 17 in the book of Hebrew, it says this, For ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. He came to the understanding that once he knew that he was supposed to have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. And the Bible says, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, one thing that I do know about God, we can cry all we want to. God knows whether or not our repentance is true and whether it's not true. Amen. Here it says, he, he wept, he cried, but that was no repentance. That was no repentance. You see, repentance brings about change. 
And see, once we change, we have a changed mind because we're going to have a renewed mind, then we can get back to that place where God would have us to be. But he was rejected because that was not true repentance. I asked the Lord this, and I said, wait a minute, God. I understand how people are anointed. I understand that. But God says sometimes, God says he can cause you, uh, he will allow your anointing to be rejected because you don't use the anointing God has for you in our lives because we're, we're busy looking for a single blessing when we've been given a birthright that's attached with numerous of blessings. And I said, God, help me to the anointing. He said, Brendan, let me give you an example. He said, somebody that's good at singing. He, he said, don't you remember during a the time, there were times in church services where there would be, uh, you have a song in your heart and a song in your spirit, and all of a sudden, because you wouldn't do it, all of a sudden somebody else would come up out and they begin to sing that song that you had been thinking about. And so that happens. See, God can take that anointing, and so as he chooses to, he can reject that anointing, and he can place it on someone else if he so desires to, if he so desires to. Yes, I understand the word of God says it comes, it comes with no repentance, but the fact remains is this. If we do not use the gifting and the gifts that God has given us, what will happen? God said, I'll let somebody else do it. I'll, I'll use somebody else to do what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm like, okay, God, please forgive me because I don't want to lose nothing that God has given me. Amen. Anything that's been set aside, I do not want to lose it. Now, let me show you the switch. Let me show you the switch. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 25. Genesis chapter 25. Show you the switch. Genesis chapter number 25. We started off talking about the switch. The switch is a radical change. It's a radical change. It's radical in direction. You know, radical in our emotions. It, it, it's radical. It's not something you just haphazardly do, but it's a radical change. A lot of times we do not understand and we think that everything that's happening in our lives, it is because during the course of our life, this is the hand that we have been dealt. Well, that's not always the case. Genesis chapter number 5, are we there? Beginning Genesis chapter number 25, Genesis chapter number 25, Genesis chapter number 25, beginning at verse number 21. Remember the story about Esau and Jacob? It's also in the same chapter. How one sold his birthright because he didn't value it. He didn't value what God had for him. They only played out what was supposed to have been played out by the hand of God. Now, Genesis 25, verse 21 says this, And Isaac, Isaac means laughter, and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, the word Rebekah there means, it means to be trapped by beauty. Has anybody ever gotten trapped by somebody's beauty? You get, you got into all this, so when you get them, and after you get them, like, wow, what in the world do I have here? Amen. Amen. You, you've gotten entrapped by their beauty. Amen. And then it also means a, a rope with a noose. I often tell Dr. Mel, I said, now, a lot of times men have to be careful because as long as they got money, they, they, you're going you to have a woman. Amen. But the moment you get broke, 
Okay, that's that rope with the noose. They threw the rope out there. It had a noose on it. Once they hooked you, and then when you broke, you're gone, okay? So you got to remember, remember now what Rebecca means because they want to ensnare you with their beauty, and that's what happened. You're entrapped by their beauty. Okay, now going on to verse number 13, she's barren. She can't produce. Now verse 23 in Genesis chapter 25 says, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. You see, what happens is our struggle has taken place even in our womb at a place of conception. What God has for us, what God has for you, and what God has ordained for your life, it is in, it's during the time of conception. It's in your womb. The struggle is really on, in your womb. Even before you showed up, the struggle was in your womb. Esau and Jacob only played out what God had given to Rebekah. She goes, she inquires of the Lord, why am I, why, um, why am I like this? What's going on with this pregnancy? Because something is unusual. And God lets them know right then that the, the elder is going to serve the younger. In other words, there's a switch. The younger is going to be on top. And God said, tell my people, you're not going to always be on the bottom. He says, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So if you're thinking you're in the last, you're in the last, God said, no, no, understand, eventually and soon, you're going to be on the top. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. So whatever your circumstance is, whatever your situation is, God said, let my people know that there's about to be a switch in their life, and they are going to be on top, and they will not be on the bottom. They will be the head and not the tail. Amen. Why? Because it has already been preordained from the beginning of time. It's, it's already been set in motion. No matter what the enemy tries to do to all of us during the course of our life, he cannot succeed. Why? Because God has already set it in motion. You know, you're going to be on top. Okay, it looks like I'm on the bottom. No, God said you're going to be on the top. There is going to be a switch within your life. You just got to believe it, amen? He says, yeah, I believe it. He said, that's going to be a switch. Now, he tells him now, he said, now, the, the elder is going to serve the younger. And verse 24 says, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. We're talking about that dual nature. Remember we talked about, we got that Jacob spirit and we got that Esau spirit. We got two spirits on the inside. We got two natures on the inside. Got that wild side. Get that party wild side, amen. And then we got that side that, that wants to walk in the will of God, amen. If we can remember, if we can remember that we have a dual nature on the inside of us and understand that when the switch takes place that we're going to be on top and it has already been preordained, we can go through this life, through this journey with faith and with peace on the inside, amen. Don't have to always be a question mark. 
Anybody, sometimes we have a question mark about the things in our life. Anybody have a question mark? God, why is this happening? Question mark. Why is this happening? It has to be played out, but the fact remains, God says you're going to be on top. There's going to be a switch in your life. Amen. Does anybody need a switch in their life? Amen. I got my hands up and my feet too. I need, I need to be a switch, okay? Now let me show you the last, the last uh, verse that we want to go to to help us understand about the switch. Okay. Remember now, with the birthright is attached to a sevenfold blessing. You got sevenfold blessing with the birthright. We settle for one blessing. Esau cried out. He said, do you not have just one blessing? He didn't value what God had for him. A lot of times we don't value the, the thing that God has for us. You know, but the fact remains, we got to keep it in our mind that there is and there will be a switch in our life and we're going to be on top. Now, let's go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 1. Jeremiah. This is the last place we're going to go. Because I'm talking about the switch. The switch. Jeremiah chapter number 1 is where we want to go. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number one. Jeremiah chapter number one. This is, this is why the enemy fights us so hard when we read Jeremiah chapter number one. Remember, this is, this is why there's also a struggle on the inside. There's a battle on the inside. Of, there's that struggle there to, between those dual spirits. Jeremiah chapter number one. Jeremiah. Now, the word Jeremiah means raised up or appointed by Jehovah. See, we've been appointed by Jehovah. We've been appointed by God. We've been raised up by God. Amen. Jeremiah chapter number one. All right, we'll get, begin reading verse It says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Even before that was a conception, even before mom and dad came together, God said, I already knew you. Before you were in the belly, before you were in the womb, God said, I already knew you. So in other words, we existed uh, in, in, in eternity way before we were manifested in time. See, the natural birth comes in time. Where we were before, we were with Christ. So he says this. He said, I formed thee in the belly. He said, before I formed thee in the belly, he said, I knew thee. Because I already, I already knew your mess-ups. I already knew. I knew all about you. He said, in your belly, when you, before you was conceived, he said, I already knew you. Watch what he says here. He said, and before thou cometh out or cometh forth out of the womb, he says, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before we even came out of the womb, God said, I've already sanctified you. I've already set you apart to do my biddings. Not only did I sanctify you, but he said, I've ordained you. See, Satan knows everyone's assignment that God has already given them. And his job is to make sure that we abort our assignment so people cannot be helped. See, we have to understand, we are more valuable than what uh, the enemy wants to tell us or make us think that we are. 
See, if God knew me before I came out, he knew my assignment. He knew I had to be ordained. He knew I had to be sanctified. He did all that before we ever showed up in this place called earth or in this existence of time. All that had already taken place. Why? Because he said, I've got an assignment for you. But the enemy is always trying to make sure that we do not fulfill our assignment. Now watch what God says here. He says, I've ordained thee to be a prophet. A, a prophet is a speaker. That's the office of a prophet. And then there are those that prophesy, those that teach, that those that, that, that share or instruct. Then verse 6 says, Then said I, Lord God, here, here's us. Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. It doesn't mean child as in age, but he said in, in maturity. I'm, I'm, I'm immature, God. I can't do this. I mean, God, I know you've called me and told me I'm supposed to do this, but I'm immature. I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But look at what God does with our um, excuses. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Our excuses. Verse 7, it says, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am immature. Life and death is in the power, or death and life is in the power of the tongue. Whatever we speak over our life, that's what it's going to be. If we speak negativity, then everything that's going to come out is going to be negative. If we speak positive, I don't care how bad it looks, speak positive. And one thing I love about Sister Annie, and whenever I say anything to Sister Annie, Sister Annie said, Sis, you get to always speak positive. No matter what it looks like, no matter what the doctor may say, you, you speak positive. You make sure you release nothing but something positive coming out of your mouth. So we have to be careful. So here God says, but the Lord says unto me, say not I'm a child. Say not, do not say I'm immature or I can't do this, God. See, we're not going to be doing things in our own self anyway. We're doing it through the power of God. He says, for thou shalt go to all that I will send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Now, God will make the command. There are people he will send you to. And once he sends you to those people, rest assured, you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. Because God's words are in that very hour, he will tell you what you need to say. The Holy Spirit will speak for you. Now, looking at verse uh, number 8, it says, Watch this. Be not afraid of their faces. He speaks to that spirit of fear. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Now, the enemy do not want us to know that God's word is already in our mouth. Because all that has taken place right in the womb before we ever came into existence. God's word is there. He doesn't want, but the enemy does not want us to know that. And then verse 10, it says this. He says, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdom. That sounds like dominion to me. That means we have already been given supreme authority by God. That's dominion. All we need to do is begin to activate and move on that which God has already done. It's already finished. All we're doing is just walking it out. It's already finished. It's already done. We already have dominion. The enemy wants us to think that we don't have dominion, but God has already given us dominion. You remember the yoke 
can only be uh, a burden can only be released uh, uh, only when we have uh, dominion or uh, taken dominion. God has already given us dominion. It's it's how you think. It's the way we think. If we think if we think less than, we're gonna always be less than. If we think tail, we're gonna always be tail. If we think head, we're gonna be head. It's how we think. But God says in His Word. Before you even showed up in your mother's womb, all these things I have already done, and not only have I placed my words in your mouth, but I have given you to me. That Oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. That thing or that thing we've been wrestling with, that which we've been wrestling with, God said you already got dominion over it. That thing you've been struggling with, God said you already got dominion over that. He said all you got to do is speak it. You, got, you have to speak it with faith. You already have dominion. Now, what, what, what are we struggling with today? Now, sometimes I struggle with fear. Hello. Amen. But God says today, he says, you've got dominion over fear. See, fear is the opposite of faith. So when I'm operating in fear, that means I'm not operating in faith. But God said, you've got dominion over that fear. Whatever you're struggling with, he said, you've got dominion. He said, he has given you dominion over it. And then watch what he says here. Not only do you have dominions over nations and over kingdoms, here's your assignment. You're to root out, you're to pull down, and to destroy and throw down. That thing which we are struggling with or we're wrestling with, God says, you've got to root that thing out. Then you've got to pull it down. And then you got to destroy it, and then you got to throw it away. You, you, then you got to discard it. And then it says, after that, then you begin to build and you begin to plant. See, you can't plant on something that's already there that's concrete. You can't, you can't plant nothing in concrete. You got to destroy that. You got to break it up. You got to get rid of it. In other words, break up the fallow ground. See, you can't plant anything into anything until you plow up some stuff. See, the soil of our heart has to be plowed up with the Word of God. Once it's been plowed up, God said, then the seed can be planted. See, you remember, um, it might have been Wednesday or it might have been Sunday, not exactly sure how long. You remember it says, when the Word goes forth, the first thing the enemy does, he snatches that Word. He snatches that Word before you can even get it. And, and, and in other words, God said, listen, you, uh, the, this is how he snatches the Word. See, the Word goes forth. Because God is saying there's a switch. There's going to be a switch in your life. That word has gone forth. But what the enemy does is he'll put us to sleep. Why? Because he don't want you to know that there's going to be a switch in your life. He'll, he'll distract us with things. And so that way we, can't, we cannot receive the word that God wants to plant on the inside. Because